From the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon, for the Pacifica Radio Network, this is Progressive Spirit. ProgressiveSpirit.net. I'm John Shuck. Progressive Spirit is heard on a variety of radio stations through Pacifica. You can find a list of stations at ProgressiveSpirit.net. You can also catch it on podcast through iTunes or your favorite podcast app. For nearly five years, Progressive Spirit has been exploring the intersection of spirituality and social justice. You can access all the shows on the website, over 230 of them so far. Scholars, authors, activists, all have been on Progressive Spirit. We talk about religion, science, politics, ecology, sex, empire, peace, and war. If you know of someone who would be a good fit for the show, let me know through the website, ProgressiveSpirit.net. Today, we're going to discuss art, particularly sacred art. Well, you know, we're being bombarded so much today with information about what's happening on the planet, ecologically, socially. Um, Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of multiple crises that we're facing, the sixth mass extinction of species. Every day we're getting all this information, but uh, we have no place to really process it. And that's why I think art has a really important role to play in creating spaces where we can experience those feelings and then have our heart broken open to the beauty of our world and to what it is we're losing with with the hope that it will inspire action. So in my work uh, in the last couple of years, uh, three years, I've been creating installation work around uh, that very notion of creating space for people to experience the grief. Amy Livingstone is the proprietor of Sacred Art Studio in Portland. Her website is sacredartstudio.net. Amy explores the intersection of theology, ancestral ways of knowing, environmentalism, and spiritual ecology. Her work is informed by her love for the earth and engagement with many forms of creative expression that include painting, sculpture, installation, and ceremony. She's had formal education in creation spirituality and sees her work as transformative as we face an ecological crisis that Amy calls a spiritual crisis. On her website, she's produced a video that describes her work lovers of creation. All my work comes out of a divine calling, and this piece felt to me specifically as a calling from spirit to give expression for the earth's creatures. The process was much like a shamanic journey, a journey into the underworld for these creatures, to bring back healing for them, the earth, myself. The overarching theme for the painting became the garden is right here, right now not in a paradisal future. My love for the earth inspires my work. It comes from a very deep, mystical experience, a relationship that I have with the earth, that I'm not separate, that I am one with all creation. Because of my love for the earth, I also feel great despair at what's happening around the planet. It was during the Gulf oil spill of 2010. I was sitting in my garden and it came to me, the tree of life. I don't choose images. I allow the images to come to me. This is part of the shamanic journeying, being present, being slow, listening to spirit. A deep area of concern for me for some time has been the plight of endangered species. The pelicans covered in oil, dolphins. 
wildlife. I felt helpless to stop it. So I turned to my canvas. I started with the tree of life, the roots going deep into the earth. A vision of the embryo in the center, that we are born of the earth. No matter what faith we choose or inherit, we are all of the earth. For me, paradise isn't in some unknowable future. It's not in heaven somewhere else. Paradise is right here on this glorious planet. We need only remember the holiness of this place we call home. She's in the studio with me to talk more about sacred art and sacred activism. Welcome, Amy, to Progressive Spirit. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How did uh, your studio and your work, uh, the Sacred Art Studio, get started? I founded the studio in 2003, originally, but the vision came forward during uh, Joanna Macy Intensive. It was in 2002, actually. So I was there for a 10-day training and had a really profound experience, a mystical experience of my own that was um, what I call a homecoming to my place in the web of life. And so at the end of the 10 days, we took vows to serve the healing of the earth. And so when I returned from that training is when I had the vision to begin the studio. And um, kind of just things just started kind of unfolding from there. Now, you've been an artist uh... Mm-hmm. Uh, you're trained as an artist as yes. well. Yes. I started drawing and painting at a young age and did my undergraduate work in fine arts. But I didn't, I wasn't pursuing it professionally for a time. I suppose like a lot of young people, I got tired of being uh, poor and, uh, you know, waiting tables. So I fell into graphic design for a time and had a very lucrative career doing that. And then around, mm, when I was around 41, I decided to, um, felt the call to work professionally as an artist at that point. So I'd already started in 2001, the year before the training with Joanna, uh, to follow this soul calling to work professionally as an artist. But then when I did the training, that kind of solidified the vision for this work that I'm doing now. Okay, so that really focused what your work would be to be sacred art. Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, what is sacred art? Mm, Good question. Well, um, we could look back into our history of art and humanity, and it goes back you know, if you look at the caves of Lascaux and throughout history, the goddess tradition, the great uh, figurines. So it's a sense of the artists are giving expression to the divine through creation, through creating art. And so we've seen that throughout our lineage of human beings. And so I consider myself as part of that lineage of artists who have given expression to the divine, the sacred through art. And, uh, of course, that goes, as you mentioned, through a variety of uh of religious traditions, whatever it is we call religion, spiritual mm. traditions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, we can look at the whole history of Christianity, certainly. I mean, very focused, beautiful Madonnas and icon writing, paintings, and, and also in the Islamic tradition, beautiful mosques. I mean, the tiles and the calligraphy that they do, um, all the expressions of God, the divine, you know, spirit. So. Yeah, and, and as well as uh, native traditions. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Their beautiful weavings in the sand mandalas that they do. and When we go to your studio, what will we see? Well, a lot of color. I use a vibrant, vibrant colors in my work. And on one wall in particular, there's a very large-scale uh, triptych called The Lovers of Creation, 
which is a revisioning of the Garden of Eden story through an mm. indigenous lens. Tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. That was a painting that was inspired originally from my grief during the Gulf oil spill. So uh -huh. I was feeling very sorrowful and wanting to know how we, nothing was really happening. No one was really addressing this, the spill at the beginning. And I was like, well, how have we come so separated from our place in the web of creation that we're allowing this to happen? And so I had this vision at, at the very center of the centerpiece, the mandala of this tree of life with a, um, um, a little embryo in the, in the tree. And then it's connected to the tree and the overarching theme being that the garden is right here, right now, not in a paradisal future. So, and then on either side are Adam and Eve wings who represent the sacred feminine and the sacred masculine. The idea, the concept was to explore, you know, our original blessing that is right here, right now. Often, too often we're thinking about future times, you know, future Eden, future mm -hmm. paradise. But paradise is right here, right, right here, right now, if we're present to that. I like the phrase that you use, original blessing. I know uh, the theologian and activist uh, Matthew Fox mm -hmm. wrote that book. Uh, how many years ago has it been now? In 83, I think it was, uh, Original Blessing. Yes. And especially true with the Adam and Eve story is it's often been used mm -hmm. as original sin and fall and all of that right. kind of thing. The fall redemption paradigm, which he completely rejects in, the, in his right. theology. Yeah. So, and I've studied quite a bit of his work and did my, some of my graduate work. Uh, my master's thesis was around creation spirituality too. So it's, um, yeah, how do we shift the paradigm from, from a fall redemption to one that is uh, around original blessing, our interconnectedness in the web of life, and um, serve the healing of our planet and other beings? My guest is Amy Livingstone. She uh, is the proprietor of the Sacred Art Studio, talking about sacred activism and sacred art. You talked about the grief of mm -hmm. um, the oil spill. Yeah. And, and that really is central. The, the grief and the longing and the lament we feel, but we haven't been able to articulate. And you talk about breaking the heart open. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Well, you know, we're being bombarded so much today with information about what's happening on the planet, ecologically, socially. Um, mm -hmm. There's just a lot of multiple crises that we're facing, the sixth mass extinction of species. Every day we're getting all this information, but uh, we have no place to really process it. And that's why I think art has a really important role to play in creating spaces where we can experience those feelings and then have our heart broken open to the beauty of our world and to what it is we're losing. With, with the hope that it will inspire action. So in my work uh, in the last couple of years, uh, three years, I've been creating installation work around uh, that very notion of creating space for people to experience the grief. Talk about the installation grid. How does that, is that, mm -hmm. that they themselves do some of the artwork or how do, how do you, how does that work? Well, I do have an interactive uh, nature mandala creation that we do together as a community, whoever c uh, attends the installation. Mm -hmm. But for instance, um, this year during Earth Week at PCC Sylvania, I had an installation called Momento More, Oceans in Crisis. And that was about plankton. And so it was really a memorial to plankton and trying to raise awareness and make visible what's invisible and how we're so intricately linked to these microscopic creatures that scientists say we've lost 40% of. I created the space where people could walk in and experience these these images, and there was music, and so it really did invoke this feeling of grief. And then, as they 
departed, they were invited to co-create this nature mandala, which is an offering of healing for the planet. So this feeling of grief, when we think about 40% of the plankton gone, and, 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 and yeah, I know that uh, when you think about the earth and all of the the crises that we're facing and, and the props uh, impending collapse of civilization mm-hmm. in that industrial civilization it can be despairing mm-hmm. H- how do how do we transition how does art help us keep going mm-hmm. well my teacher joanna macy one of my teachers she does wonderful amazing work around grief um and empowerment work so the idea i think the fear is that if we go into the grief that we get stuck in the grief but we don't. It's really allowing ourselves to really feel the feelings and then move through them. Otherwise, we just push them away, try to repress them, you know, make everything happy, you know, and, and then it comes out in other ways. Maybe right. addiction to shopping or the, the need for more material things instead of maybe a spiritual life or finding ways to be of service and that kind of thing. So it's really about knowing that because you're feeling it doesn't mean you have to stay stuck in it. It's in, be inspired instead. If we aren't really conscious of it, then we're stuck. Right, yeah. As you say, the breaking of the heart open is mm-hmm. really the, the freeing, isn't it? It is, it is. yes. I mean, that's been my experience. I'm not just saying that for um, just off the top of my head. I, I've experienced this myself personally um, in my own life, um, having gone through some profound losses around when I was 29, 30 years old. Uh, my brother died from AIDS, and then my mother died suddenly nine months later. And oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. It was, it was really a dark, very dark period in my life. And it took a really long time for me to journey through that because everyone kept telling me that life goes on. And I'm like, no, life goes on, but goes on differently. And so that feeling of being stuck in it um, didn't allow me to move through it. There was no real support. So I really do believe in the power of witnessing, which later on I did find that with a therapist and through my own art making. So I believe in the power of art making for all of us into process grief, I think in any form, putting color on paper, collaging, doing anything can be very profoundly healing and then being witness too as well. Witness, talk about that. What do you mean by witness? Someone to bear witness to your grief. And that's why I think these installations and others, I mean, when we think about the Myelin's Vietnam Memorial, how profoundly healing that was for our Vietnam vets. I mean, because you could go, you could be present at this wall and feel your grief and there are others there holding that space with you. So it's, not, it's about not being alone in we have to grieve together. So we're bearing witness to one another's experience. Exactly. Of, of the ache and the, the and the pain and the struggle and the grief of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we, we get isolated in our culture with when it comes to grief and death and dying. And that it's important to move beyond that. Soul symbol mandala or mandala? <laughs> That's a good question. I hear that often, actually. Um, I, it's pronounced both ways. I've heard the Tibetans say mandala and others mandala, so either one is good. So how you say it, okay. And how, what, what do you do with that? How, what is that? Well, those are specific commissioned works that I've created for people, and it's really such a joy and an honor to do this for, um, so far it's been women, um, but it would be fun to do one for a man as well who's ah. out there on his own spiritual journey. So I meet either live, you know, one face-to-face or via Skype, and I have a conversation with them. I listen to their story, 
and get images of kind of where they are in their life, you know, what appeals to them. So I try to kind of draw up the symbolism from their life and their journey. Then I create these specific mandalas, icons, basically, that are symbolize, you know, who they are and where they are in their life, and they can meditate with them. And I found it very healing for people. It's it's really very very profound, actually. If you are just joining us, my guest is Amy Livingstone. She is the host of the uh, Sacred Art Studio. Her website is sacredartstudio.net. Uh, you know, activism is hard to sustain. So uh, burned out activists mm-hmm. is common. Have you worked then with kind of people on, on that scale who've really just been out there doing the activist work mm-hmm. and then feeling a little exhausted by it all? Well, I have many friends who are out there working on the front lines with climate and various uh, ecological crises and whatnot. So there is a level of burnout that happens. But, and so that's where I think sacred activism, which um, I borrow from Andrew Harvey, who's a uh, mystic and writer and spiritual teacher. He's amazing. The sacred activism allows for create space for the creative, I mean, excuse me, creative, but the spiritual practices to help us support us. So how do we find practices that can support us in the work, whether that's meditation or creative practices or time in nature, um, just taking breaks periodically, self-care. Sometimes we can be so active and overwhelmed, we forget Mm -hmm. that part. Exactly. Another wonderful uh, voice who I'm really appreciating is Rebecca Solnit. She's out of the Bay Area, and um, I just heard her interviewed again as well recently. And she, her book, she wrote specifically for activists because so many of them were feeling burnt out and like not being effective in their work and such. So she was became a little frustrated from what I can tell because they weren't really looking at the history of activism. They weren't understanding their own history, our own history. So how we've all throughout our history have. People like the rev, you know, the women's movement, the civil rights movement, the suffragettes. I mean, she so she kind of outlays all this whole history of things that have been positive changes in the right direction. So she inspires me, and Hope in the Dark looks at you know very much you know being with the dark, being with that, but also finding hope too through our actions. And spiritual uh, ecology is one of the phrases that I found on your website, Mm -hmm. Uh, that that our ecological crisis is a spiritual crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, spiritual ecology is a um, kind of a new term that's uh, come up over the last few years and addresses the um, ecological crisis. Like uh, deep ecology, which um, was also another term for this um, awareness of our interdependence in the life web, concept. Um, Spiritual ecology is a new term that's being used to address the spiritual aspects of the ecological crisis. So a lot of what um, we're experiencing right now is this disconnect that we have, the separation from the planet, from the web of life, from our own um, communities. It's just so the spiritual ecology is addresses the crisis through that lens versus the like a material scientific lens, right? So if that makes sense. The idea of thinking that we are separate from Earth, that Earth Mm -hmm. is a collection of resources for us to use or exploit as opposed to being we actually are nature. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so I resonate with um, the movement that's around spiritual ecology because it does uh, bring in the spiritual aspects of this, our connection to the Earth and our interdependence. Tell me a little bit more about the the installations mm-hmm. that you do. Okay. 
Well, the first one that I created was uh, around the lovers of creation, which I'd already mentioned to you, the, the large-scale triptych around mm -hmm. the Garden of Eden story. So that was an installation that was at PCC Sylvania um, uh, originally in 2013. And so what I wanted to create in that space was a feeling that the garden is right here, right now. And so there was a, the installation uh, included the lovers of creation. There was a beauty wall. There was also a morning wall for uh, on the other side where people could uh, experience some of their heartache around some of the, uh, species. That's what I was focusing on because in the centerpiece of this triptych are the four endangered species, polar bear, spotted owl, tiger, and salmon. So it's shining a light on the plight of endangered species. And so the morning wall addresses the kind of the statistics, the fact, the images of what it is, were like the poaching of the tigers and the melting ice caps. So on, so there's that space for that. And then in the center, you know, had um, the mandala, the nature mandala, where people could co-create that and add prayers of healing for the planet and other creatures. Some people, I'll put myself in this category, are, are not trained in art as such and may not think that they're very good at it or rather mm -hmm. embarrassed <laughs> about it. So what about us non-artists, so to speak? How mm -hmm. can we discover, what would you suggest for a beginner uh, uh, in terms of finding their creative side? Well, first of all, I think we're all, we're all artists of some kind. Mm -hmm. um, and this is one of the reasons why I'm drawn to creation spirituality with Matthew Fox. It is because at the very center of that tradition is the role of art and creativity in our lives to serve our not only healing but healing of others and what so. But um, so I think we all have a gift. We may not paint and draw and do the things that I do, but um, there's a lot of ways to be creative. Cooking and gardening are amazing ways to connect to the earth and create beauty. I mean, it's a lot about it's creating beauty for me and beauty in our worlds and our spaces. So, um, but a simple thing to start with would be collaging. Um, that's a simple way to put something down. It doesn't require a lot of materials, just some magazines and scissors and glue. And um, you, I've seen a lot of really beautiful collages. So. And you really kind of find out uh, what is in you outside of kind of the logical thinking side. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a way to discover what, what's really going on inside you yeah. that you haven't been in touch with. Mm -hmm. And connect to your heart. I mean, we live in a world that's so, I mean, our heads are disconnected from our bodies, you know, it's, it's, it's everything's very mental. And I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, I love, you know, literature and all those things. I was, I enjoyed intellectual life, but art can bring it all right into the heart, just in that creative process. And not the hardest, I think the hardest, not the hardest, but the biggest challenge probably for people is to overcome the internal critic. That it has to be perfect, that it has to look a certain way. Um, so learning to let go of that, <laughs> which isn't always easy, but um, it's a practice, and all practices take time. Right. You have to just keep kind of kind of trying and going at it. Exactly, and doing it. yeah. And, and, and accepting uh, yourself and what that is mm -hmm. about. Right, yeah. Spiritual direction is also on your website. Talk to me about that. Well, I was first introduced to spiritual direction when I was in graduate school. Uh, I went to Merrillhurst and did um, the Master's in Interdisciplinary Studies there, and my concentration uh, was in spiritual traditions and ethics. And so part of my program, um, I took a class in spiritual direction, and it really appealed to me because I'd already been doing grief work with people um, out of my own journey of grieving, which I told you about. I also 
worked with grieving children at the Dougie Center here in Portland, Oregon for eight years, working with children and families. So I'd already been working with grieving um, children and mother people over the years. And so then the spiritual direction appealed to me because it's uh, about bearing witness and listening to what's alive in people's hearts, basically. And so when I finished uh, graduate school, I then went to the Urban Spirituality Center and was certified as a spiritual director. So I was exploring that theme, uh, that work in my life. And it does um, come into play when I'm holding space for people, whether it's a workshop that I'm leading or an installation I'm present at or just to my community. My community tends to call me when there's a loss in their family because I'm comfortable holding that space for people. So, What are you working on now at the Sacred Art Studio? Right now I'm working on a series um, that's kind of ongoing called Where We Stand is Holy. And so it's inspired by a five-day uh, wilderness um, trek that I did a couple years ago with the Animus Institute. So it's four panels, um, inspired by illuminated manuscripts, like when I imagine the monks back in the Middle Ages, you know, they did these ornate, beautiful oh, yeah. borders and all, and before the printing press. And so they're inspired also by the Liturgy of the Hours. And so they're, each one of them, there's law, sext, uh, vespers, and compline. So each one of them represents prayers for the creation for four times of the day. So the first one being um, prayer for the birds, and the morning prayer. And so that shines a light on the birds, uh, North American birds that are threatened with climate change. And the second one is um, sext, the prayer for the desert, which I just completed. And that's uh, shining a light on the beauty of the desert and that's under siege by oil and gas extraction. And then vespers will be water creatures and then compline will be mammal creatures. So I'm in the process of creating that. And that I envision as being part of a larger installation as well. Amy Livingstone has uh, has been my guest. Uh, she is the proprietor of the Sacred Art Studio. Her website is sacredartstudio.net. And if people wanted to connect with you in, in that way, go to the website. Yep, or I'm on Facebook, too, and Twitter and Instagram. I'm doing the social media thing there. So. All right. Amy, thanks so much for your work and for being with me today. Great being here. Thanks, John. You've been listening to Progressive Spirit. For links to podcasts and for more information about the show, go to progressivespirit.net. For the Pacifica Radio Network, I'm John Schuck. Be welcome.